0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Republicans in the Ohio legislature are once again talking about a plan to eliminate the state's income tax, which critics say would blow a $20 billion hole in the state budget. Representative John Cross shares his thoughts and talks about lawmakers' recent vote to override the governor's veto on gender-affirming care in the state. Also, this morning, it is another Mental Health Monday. Why finding the right therapist can make all the difference in successful mental health treatment outcomes and how to make the perfect match. Plus, we have details on events for a perfect date night in February at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Heather Klo will be here to tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 29th, 2024. This is perhaps the biggest news of the day this morning. We always like to to start with the most important and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is certainly that. The U.S. Department of Defense has released a report implying, doesn't say explicitly, but implies that America would not be prepared To deal with a space invasion. (laughs) This is a report from the U.S. Department of Defense. I'm not kidding around about this. The uh, DOD says the United States does not currently have a clear plan or a coordinated method to deal with UFO sightings. The uh, DOD's Office of Inspector General made several recommendations, including bringing together various departments and their methods to track these things. A survey last year found that 92% of UFO sightings take place over the United States. It is unclear if these objects are truly extraterrestrial or can be explained by something more earthly, uh, like military exercises or weather balloons or whatever. And even if we got those explanations... It's unclear whether people would actually believe them, but uh, the uh, DOD says we are not prepared to deal with a space invasion. Happy Monday. (laughs) Big news. That is is big stuff. What else is uh, going on? The the, uh, Super Bowl is set. It is the Super Bowl that nobody wanted to see. Absolutely nobody wanted to see. Kansas City is going again. They've sort of become the this decade's equivalent of the New England Patriots. Nobody wants to see Kansas City win again. Nobody wants to see that. And uh, in the NFC, honestly, was anyone outside the city of San Francisco and maybe a half a dozen people that I know who are 49ers fans, outside of those individuals, limited number of individuals, did anyone – Want to see the 49ers beat the Lions? I mean, everybody was was with the lovable Lions. And for a while, it looked like they were a team of destiny in the first half, anyway, of that NFC Championship game. And then what in the world happened? The wheels fell off and the Lions season ends in the NFC Championship game. Still a great year for Detroit. Um, hopefully, it will not take another... 57 years for, for them to, uh, to get back to that point or whatever it is. And uh, they can follow up that NFC Championship appearance with another solid season next year and build on that moving forward. But the Super Bowl is set. The 49ers and Chiefs are both returning to the Super Bowl. You know who else is returning to the Super Bowl? The Clydesdales. Anheuser-Busch has released a 15-second video clip teasing the return of the trademark Budweiser Draft Horses. They actually stopped airing commercials with the horses during the Super Bowl three years ago. Uh, so this is the, uh, that marked the first time in nearly 40 years that the uh, brewing company had skipped the Super Bowl. But now they are back. The teaser video shows the world-famous Clydesdales emerging from their stables in a blizzard. And uh, so we will see the uh, Clydesdales back in the Super Bowl for the first time in, uh, in several years. Super Bowl, of course, coming up in two weeks, February 11th on CBS. And we will have coverage right here on WFIN as well. So who do you like? Um, I don't even know. I, I probably should have looked this up, but I don't know uh, who's the early favorite in the Super Bowl, uh, whether it's Kansas City or San Francisco. But Kansas City, boy, the way they dismantled Baltimore in Baltimore. I For my money, I look at uh, Kansas City as the as the favorite, but that's just me. Don't know what uh, what the uh, Vegas odds makers say. Uh, some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Here's another annual list we get this every year, and once again, Chicago is the tops of the list of Orkin's annual bed bug list. It's the fourth year in a row that Chicago has been the number one city in the U.S. for bed bugs. The top six all remain the same from last year's list. New York City ranks second after Chicago, followed by Philadelphia, and then Cleveland in fourth place, Los Angeles in fifth, and Detroit is number six. So, they're the top six bedbug, most bedbug infested cities. The rankings are based on the number of residential and commercial treatments performed by Orkin between December of 2022 and November of 2023. So uh Cleveland and Detroit, nearby cities tops on the bedbug list, but Chicago still number 1, the windy city, now the bedbug city. And um, a couple of other uh, interesting uh items here. Uh speaking of, you know, the end of the year, beginning of the year perspective on things. The British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons has announced that the plastic surgery trend of 2024 is breast reduction surgery, breast reduction surgery, that along with neck lifts they anticipate will be the top plastic surgery trends, cosmetic surgery trends of 2024. Make of that what you will. As for neck lifts, they say they are becoming more popular as people realize that a facelift without a neck lift appears obvious. Okay. Without a good harmonious improvement in someone's neck, a facelift does not look as good as it could or as natural as it could. And uh, I guess the idea of going natural or appearing natural is the idea of like breast reduction surgery as well, so. Kind of interesting. That's what they say. Be the uh, trend for plastic surgery in 2024. It's important stuff. We make make sure that you uh, know it. I don't make these things up. I just report them. That's what it says. The big news stories of the day. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, how old are Americans today when they first tie the knot? Now, this has been an ongoing story for many years. The fact that young people are waiting longer to get married than they did a generation or two ago. And a company called Overflow Data created a chart to see what the average age of marriage is per state. This is fairly easy to track because, you know, you have its public records, license, uh, marriage licenses are public records in all states. And so they uh, crunch the numbers and they find that Utah has the lowest average age for women to get married at the first time at about age 25. So that is quite a bit uh, older than it was a generation or two ago, even in Utah. Wyoming has the youngest average marriage age for men at 27. Uh, let's see here. In Washington, D.C., they are tie- They are uh, waiting the longest to tie the knot, with the average age being about 31 for women and 32 and a half for men. Uh, let's see here. New Yorkers and Californians also tend to wait until they are at least 30 to say, I do. And in Ohio, I looked it up. In Ohio, the median age for females to be married for the first time is, is 27.9 years of age. 27.9 the median age for males is 29.9 years of age. So just a hair under 30 in the state of Ohio. I I don't know uh what that says. I mean other than you know it's much much younger than uh it used to be. I mean my wife was 19 I was 23 when I got married. And uh, still together uh, after all of these years. But, uh, man, very, very different today. Uh, the first, first time for women in Ohio, nearly 28 years. And for males, uh, nearly 30 years. Make of that what you will. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Cloudy skies today. A high around 40. Cloudy conditions stick around tonight. A low in the mid-30s. There was a fatal fire in Findlay on Sunday. The Findlay Fire Department, Findlay Police Department, and Hanko were dispatched a 2315 Ivy Lane in reference to a structure fire at 4.09 p.m. on Sunday. The fire was within an apartment complex building, but the fire was contained mostly within a single unit. The police department says a male was found inside the apartment unit and was later pronounced deceased. An autopsy will be conducted to determine the cause of death. The identity of the deceased male is being withheld pending further investigation. The State of Ohio Fire Marshal's Office was brought in to investigate the fire. The city of Finley says it's been looking into an unpleasant smell in the air that some residents have been reporting. Service Safety Director Rob Martin says they contacted the EPA to help pinpoint the source of the smell.
2: If we can identify it, we can then mitigate it if it is something we need to be worried
0: about. But at this time, there's no, uh, the EPA hasn't really addressed that it's a major concern.
1: He says, depending on the way the wind is blowing, different parts of town are experiencing the smell, which has been described as an industrial smell, a moldy carpet smell, and even stale beer. Get more in the story on our website. On this date 46 years ago, Ohioans were still digging out from the blizzard of 78, which hit a few days earlier. The storm brought heavy snow and wind gusts of 50 to 80 miles per hour. A freighter in Lake Erie reported a wind gust of 111. Snow drifts reached 15 feet and the barometric pressure in Cleveland dropped to 28.28 Still the lowest reading ever recorded in Ohio. Fifty-one people died across the state. The Ohio National Guard was called into active duty with over 5,000 personnel to assist in rescue and recovery. Dave James, ONN News. Blanchard Valley Health System says Renee Matthews has been named the new administrator of Bluffton Hospital. Matthews, a Bluffton native, has worked for BVHS in various roles, beginning as an emergency department technician at Bluffton Hospital. Learn more about Matthews and Bluffton Hospital in the story on our website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
0: Republicans in the Ohio legislature are once again talking about a plan to eliminate the state's income tax, which critics say would blow a $20 billion hole in the state budget. Representative John Cross is with us this morning share his thoughts uh Mr. Cross Good thanks morning. very much for uh, dropping by we well, appreciate
3: it great to be here
0: um want to get to that here in just a moment before we do though uh do want to ask about uh lawmakers recent vote to override the governor's veto on sure. gender affirming care sure uh i know you were among those who were highly critical of the governor's veto and who voted to uh, override the veto.
3: Yeah, I think the governor just got it wrong. We we heard tremendous outreach from our constituents that the governor had it wrong. And any time the legislature, with a supermajority, had all 65 Republicans vote to override, you know that the constituency of Ohio said, Governor, you have it wrong, and therefore we got it correct. First, uh, uh, girls will play girls' sports. We will not allow men... Played girl sports, and when the governor talked about ignoring this in the bill and focusing on the uh, the gender care aspect of it, you can't do that. When when everything's in the bill, that's the legislative process. Uh, sure, it could have been a separate bill. We've worked on it before, but it was together. What what uh, made me concerned was the governor never gave a comment that was he was in support of it. So that told me he may have not even been in support of it. So even another reason why we needed to override the bill. Secondly. I think uh the Governor had an executive order to stop all surgeries well mm-hmm. well that's fine, but when the when the executive order ends under the governor's term, that goes away. We needed to do it in law and, and that's
0: actually one of the things that I wanted to uh ask about because the term gender affirming care mm-hmm. is a very wide ranging term sure. it includes sure. uh both medical intervention uh surgery and uh hormone treatments that kind of thing, but also includes Psychological treatment and emotional support and so on—is
3: this all banned in the state of Ohio now? No, no, what we what we did is in this bill, it, it does a couple of things. One, it it stops the surgeries because we've had too many people come testify that they had surgeries, they transitioned, and wish they never did. And that's something you can't go back and and, and fix. But but secondly, this is a a mental health disorder that we need to treat with mental health practices. But the reason why I also overrode this bill was because it puts the parents inside the room making decisions for their minor children.
0: That's the other thing, because the uh, governor, in vetoing the bill, said that this was something that should be uh, up to parents and their uh, doctors yeah, I, to yeah, decide. Yeah,
3: I didn't understand that. because in uh, I don't understand why the governor said that, because he kind of confused the constituency. Because when he vetoed our bill, in my opinion, he took parents out of the doctor's room. Now, when I'm with my sons, whether it's a flu shot or a, a, a checkup on their foot, we're in the room, and we're making sure they're getting uh, good guidance and we're helping make the, the medical decisions. That's what our bill does. There's two steps. Before a doctor diagnoses this uh, problem, we, have, we, uh, we make sure they consult with both parents or guardians. Mm-hmm. Number two, before they provide this, um, they also check for uh, autism, autism, Um, there's other links to being on the spectrum that has caused this so we really need to make sure they're getting the the right treatments because we overrode the veto and it takes law in 90 days it does not affect those who are currently in treatment but we're making sure that children don't go down a pathway uh, without without their parents number one and number two we really want to make sure they're getting the right kind of care and the right kind of mental health care that is needed that those reasons for me alone were very simple to override the governor's veto to clarify to our constituency that mom and dad guardians grandma and grandpa will help make the, the health care decisions not the government but but the parents will make the decisions what's best for their children
0: want to talk about this uh proposal that has been uh floated legislation has been introduced that would phase out ohio's state income tax this has been a long-standing goal of many uh in the republican party to eliminate uh the state income tax your thoughts on this latest effort to do so
3: well this latest effort is is a good attempt uh we're still looking at it we're still vetting it but it's no secret that the republican legislature and since i have been in the legislature we want to eventually become a zero income tax state why? Because we want to stay competitive. The length and time that we do it is really important because if you try to do it overnight, those who want to cut our income tax overnight is going to create a severe uh, hole in the budget that mm-hmm. would affect our education, it would affect health care for seniors, it would affect a lot of things. So we just have to be smart about it. What we have done since I've been in the legislature – is voted to uh, eliminate and reduce our income tax by several brackets. Our our tax structure in Ohio is complicated. Mm-hmm. Just like you told the the your listeners earlier in a, in a segment about taxes and this and that and people want this or people don't want that. Wouldn't it be great? go look at your paycheck and look at your taxes taken out of your paycheck. Wouldn't it be great for all the money that you send to the federal government actually to go to the locals and not the federal government? And so our idea is that people do want good services, but they want a less complicated tax structure. They want reduced taxes. And that goes for property taxes, income taxes, but still get good services. And that's just making sure the legislature Budgets are money wisely and well. So, how do you make up that that budget uh, hole that is created
0: by again some critics? And it's not just the income tax, sure. the personal income tax the commercial activities tax sure. that would be eliminated uh, under this uh, proposal as well. And again, critics well, say that's a twenty billion dollar
3: yeah. shortfall. So, you have to take it over time. We we had, a, I think, when I started the legislature, we were five or seven percent. We're down to three point nine percent flat rate for anyone that makes a hundred thousand dollars or over. Uh, less than that it's like a 2.75% rate and if you make $26,000 or, no, or or nothing it's zero you paying zero income tax what we sales tax is driving a lot of funding for the state of Ohio people are still bullish this is a bullish market so it's the weirdest recession i've ever lived in where people said it's a scary recession but we're still seeing strong economic indicators. So sales taxes save the day. And I think we also have to make sure that in like Texas, where they have zero income tax, they have extremely high property taxes. And we just need to make sure that if we're going this way, well, we, we don't over increase property taxes.
0: And that's the uh, the big question. Where do you make up the shortfall?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, when we make up the shortfall is we start to continue to welcome more people high. We have lost congressional seats which means we've lost population chris we need to widen the tax base not shrink the tax base
0: but again if the if that tax base is paying zero uh expanding the tax base doesn't in and of itself necessarily raise taxes if the
3: tax rate is zero well it gives us a good reason to go into the budget and start sometimes cutting out and trimming the fat as my dad used to say when he was accounting commissioner it's time to trim the fat (laughs) and so so maybe what we do is obviously as we try to reduce taxes and listen i had a friend of mine today who worked on their or not today, but last week? Who worked on their taxes? Said, "Hey, John, thanks for the thanks for the tax cut. People are seeing it, seeing it, and feeling it. More money in your pocket, Chris, is what we want to do. And if we have to trim the fat in the state budget to get there, uh, I'm certainly we'll work on that."
0: So, what is the the process of figuring out where you make up the shortfall, whether that's in property taxes, sales taxes, and so on, and how do you make sure that the that the replacement for whatever lost revenue comes from eliminating the state income tax doesn't fall on the lowest income Ohioans.
3: Well, the good news is those who make up to $26,000 who have very little income pay zero income tax today. Right. The, The good news, Chris, is we're doing it now. We have reduced income taxes. We've maxed out the rainy day fund a $3 million dollars mm-hmm. we've balanced the budget in the state of ohio we've produced a healthy budget ohio is in really good financial shape and we were still able to still offer a two billion dollar tax cut to the budget this time as well as last time and i would suspect in the next operating budget next year as long as voters will have me back we will go back in and do more significant tax cuts
0: um and again and i and i hate to to harp on this but again i <laughs> Uh, it does take a certain amount of money to run a state. And if you're going oh, to sure, trim sure, out $20 billion sure. that comes in from state income well, taxes, is yeah. it going to be made up through state state sales tax? I mean, that's what some has uh, well,
3: have proposed. Well, the good news is if you look at the proposal that was offered, it goes out to 2030. So this is not going to happen overnight. And you're not going to cut – there's no way we're going to cut $20 billion overnight to get right. there tomorrow. I think this is a – This is a marathon, not a sprint. And when the end date officially happens that we cut income taxes will be someday in the future, it may be well past when I'm even in office. Mm -hmm. It may be another cycle with other legislators. But we are trying to set the tone and tenor that we are on our way to no income taxes to compete with the 12 other no income tax states because this is about competition. So business comes here. People come here. Uh, we have to make Ohio competitive in everything we do.
0: What do you think is the likelihood that this plan in some form actually passes well, this time? Because, again, this is not the first time this has been tried.
3: Well, as I like to tell constituency, you know, don't panic. We are in the chemistry lab. And so so legislation is about coming up with an ideas, coming up with thoughts, and working it through the committee process, asking people to come in and testify. No doubt. It sends the signal that this is the right direction for Ohio. How we get there, it could be this bill, it could be other pieces of legislation, but the good news is actions speak louder than words. We have already done it. We've cut $2 billion out and given money back in your pockets. You'll start to see it in this tax break. We did it last year. Uh, cycle, so we're on our way. We went from seven to five, now down to three, now down to two point seven five. We're heading in the right direction, and when we get to zero, we'll open a bottle of champagne and cheers. I just don't know how old I will be when we get that done. <laughs> and uh to clarify, this is still in the very early stages. Early stages. Um, we are there's there, for every time you you make a you pull the lever to do something on taxes, it has a cause and effect. Of everything else, whether it's school funding or anything else. So we just need to make sure we're doing our job and our due diligence. To reduce taxes and provide good services to the people.
0: Behind. So a lot has to happen in order for this to to actually make yeah, it through this, the uh, process. But right. whenever you talk about eliminating the state income tax or tax tax right or, or any the tax, tax. That's but right. especially the income tax, given especially when it's right around tax season and people this is top of mind for sure. everyone. Uh, obviously going to grab headlines. So certainly something we will continue to follow. Again, uh, State Representative John Cross, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Well, one thing the pandemic taught us was to pay attention to our mental health and well-being. It also removes some of the stigma connected with seeking therapy. But with, while more people are seeking professional help, many are not necessarily being matched with the right therapist. And so joining us this morning is Colleen Marshall. She is vice president of clinical care at Two Chairs. Colleen, why does finding the right client-therapist relationship make such a difference?
4: Yeah. um, Thank you so much for having me, first of all. And the therapy relationship is the most important part of therapy. Therapy is a relationship-based intervention. So what that means is the relationship has to be right for therapy to work. Um, And so what we mean by having the right relationship is what the American Psychological Association says, is you want a relationship with your therapist where you're working on mutually established goals, um, that the client's able and feels free to give feedback to the therapist so the therapist can adjust treatment based on how the client is receiving the treatment. Um, And also there's any relationship issues that come up that those are repaired. Um, So having those things as part of the relationship is really important and finding that right therapist for you. Um, from the beginning is critical to for not for clients staying in care and getting good quality care and getting to the clinical outcomes that they're
0: hoping for. Yeah, I was going to say obviously, if people aren't comfortable or if they don't have that conducive client-therapist relationship that you talk about, it's not going to be as effective. It may not work at all, and people quit. Is that do you find one of the main reasons why people quit therapy?
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, sadly, most people go to just one session and then and drop out of therapy and just think it's not right for them. And for the people who quit, one in five say it's because they didn't trust their therapist. So they didn't have the right relationship from the beginning. And what we know is about for 50% of people who are seeking care, they need about 15 to 20 sessions to actually see positive benefits. Hmm. Um, So it's really important that clients are staying in care. That's why at Two Chairs, we created the matchmaker Um, so that we're making sure that clients are matched with therapists right away um, so that they are staying in care and seeing those positive benefits.
0: Yeah, one of the other things that came out of the pandemic was more options for that care. Telehealth had been around before then, but it really kind of came into its own as a viable way of seeking treatment, including for mental health. So tell us a little bit about your platform and the matchmaker feature that you were just talking about.
4: So um, we we definitely do telehealth and we have in-person care as well. Um, The matchmaker is an an appointment that you have with a licensed therapist um, where they do an assessment of what you're looking for in care, what you're coming in treatment for, but also are assessing all these preferences we're talking about, what's important to you, um, what we think is going to be the right match for you. And then we put all of that information into a matchmaker algorithm that matches the client and our panel of 400 therapists um, to, um, to match them based on about 300 different factors. Um, the good news is we know this is working because our data tells us so. About 98% of the time we're getting the match right the very first time. 2% of the time we do do rematches to get you connected to a different provider. Um, and the other thing we know why it's working is our clients are staying in care. Um, the national standard right now is for someone to make it to their fourth therapy appointment. Only 33% of the time do people stay in care that long. Hmm. At two tiers, 90% of clients are staying to the fourth therapy
0: appointment. Yeah, and uh, again, as you were referencing earlier, you actually need many more than that in order to really uh, see notable uh, noted improvements. Now, for those times when maybe despite all of the best efforts uh that you put into it you don't have a good match how does one know if that match isn't correct i mean what's what are the 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 signs uh that somebody is not matched correctly speaking maybe to somebody who's seen a therapist and you know not really sure if they have that right match what are the signs that you look for
4: yeah, it really comes down to how do you feel in this session. Do you feel like you can give this therapist feedback? Do you feel like you're working on making progress on your goals? Do you feel like this therapist um, understands you and is and you're not feeling judged by this person? Um, do you feel like they're you know they're challenging you and helping you move forward? So a lot of it is your subjective experience, which is why um, one of the things we do at Two Chairs is we do an, a measure, an alliance measure, every session to. It's, from the client how is this going um, so that the therapist can look at that measure and adjust their care based on it So if you're feeling that you just don't feel like you're making progress or you don't or you're feeling judged by your therapist or you just don't feel like the relationship is right that's probably a good sign that you want to um, find a different therapist this one might not be right for you.
0: On the other hand as you mentioned, it will take time to see noticeable results. How important are those regular, Mental health check ins and how often should those check ins be? How regular?
4: So it really depends on your treatment and what you're looking for, but typically you're going to be in therapy once a week to start with, and then you might titrate down to every other week and then to once a month. That's a typical um, course. Um, With mental health check ins, what we do at Two Chairs is we actually also include data in those check ins so that the client and the therapist both are looking at standardized measures to know whether you're getting better or staying the same or getting worse. And that's really important because the data can also tell you, the client and the therapist, whether treatment is working. Um, and if it's not, then adjusting treatment plans so that it will be working. Um, so the same way, like if you were losing weight, you want to get on the scale and see if the scale is moving. You want to do check-ins on measures to know whether your depression or anxiety is getting better also um, and other conditions that you might be being in treatment for.
0: As we mentioned, the good news uh, coming out of the pandemic is that it really uh, opened our eyes to the importance of mental health and to a large extent destigmatized this in the minds of many people. The downside is that uh, all of these fresh folks who are now seeking professional help may or may not be necessarily matched with the right type of help uh, based on their unique situations. So talking about finding that right match this morning, Colleen Marshall, again, is VP of Clinical Care at Two Chairs. Where do folks learn more? more about your platform
4: yeah I'd love for you to go to twochairs.com we are live in california washington and florida um, and we're coming to more states this year so excited for you all to take a look there there's more information and you can sign up for your matching appointment directly on the website
0: colleen thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it
4: Thank you so much. appreciate you having me. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN,
3: WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: So how did you spend your weekend a snowboarder at the Heavenly Mountain Resort in California, was stranded on a ski gondola for 15 hours after it unexpectedly stopped. Monica Lasso uh, said she didn't have her phone or any light source, uh, ended up spending the night in freezing temperatures by rubbing her hands and feet together to stay warm. She was stuck for 15 hours on the ski gondola. I don't know. Uh, it, it just says in the story it unexpectedly it unexpectedly stopped. Whether they closed for the night, didn't realize she was still still on the lift or uh, or what the deal was, but according to a report, her cries for help went unanswered. She didn't have her phone, so she's just yelling for help, and nobody was there to hear her. She was eventually reported missing by her friends, and uh, she was found. she's gonna be okay. Uh, the resort now investigating the incident, uh, Ms. Lasso was uh, treated and released after the gondola resumed operation in the morning. Uh, this is the first incident of its kind for South Lake Tahoe Fire and Rescue in over 20 years. They say. Wow, that, that is crazy. Well, I guess she's got a, a story to tell about her last ski trip. But Man. That's that's a rough weekend. No matter matter how bad your weekend was, you weren't trapped on a ski gondola in sub-freezing temperatures for 15 hours. Then I suppose it could have been worse. Elsewhere in the broken news, now this is a weird story. A Mississippi woman by the name of Cambria Gabrielle Darby has been arrested and charged with child abuse. After she took her baby to Walmart in freezing temperatures, wearing nothing but a diaper. Uh, So this is the story. Ms. Darby was charged with child neglect after the incident uh, earlier this month. Remember that cold spell that we got? Even stretched down into the Deep South, uh, sub-freezing temperatures, um, even in Mississippi, which they aren't generally prepared for. And video footage of Ms. Darby, she was fully dressed. Her baby was practically naked in the winter weather. Uh, Video footage went viral on social media, and she ended up getting uh, arrested, charged with child abuse. Her great-aunt insists that she is not a bad mother, and no, she's not on drugs, as some had theorized. Sometimes, her great aunt says on her behalf, sometimes kids can be difficult not wanting to put their clothes on or wanting to take them off. And maybe she was in a rush to pick up some things. <laughs> okay, I think you need to make sure that your your child is wearing a coat when it's freezing uh, outside. I mean, even moms in Mississippi should know this, I would think. In any event, uh, her great aunt... Uh, admits that uh, Cumbria showed poor judgment, certainly. But this is what is crazy about this story. In a recent social media post, Ms. Darby has compared her treatment in Walmart to the persecution of Christ. Really? Really? I I think not. I think that may be taking it. A little too far. Not a direct comparison at all. I'm sorry, man. Compared compared her situation to the persecution of Christ. Well, no, not exactly. <clears> hmm. <throat> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Colorado police are searching for a man who allegedly stole almost thirty thousand dollars worth of underwear from laundry rooms in various apartment buildings. (laughs) A search of the 39-year-old suspect's home turned up more than 500 unmentionables pilfered over a three-year period, according to police in the Denver suburb of Lakewood. A national warrant has been issued... For Hugo Salazar Hernandez's arrest on felony charges of burglary and theft. Felony charges. I guess he stole so many pairs of underwear and bras and other lingerie items that it is now uh, under the category of felony burglary charges. They searched his home, but he wasn't there. He's missing. Authorities are asking anyone with information to contact them. And he could be anywhere. He could be nationwide. So if your uh, undies go missing
2: <laughs>
0: in the laundry, you know my, what may be happening here. <laughs> um, I would say that's what happened to all of my missing socks, but I don't think he's into socks. I don't. That's it. Uh, let's see. In other uh, broken news this morning from the state of Florida, as we always have to have a story from Florida. Um, not sure exactly where in Florida this is, but it says uh, John Mehas, age 27, uh, was left with egg on his face after allegedly throwing a chocolate egg at a convenience store clerk, then jumping over the counter to finish assaulting the worker. Assault with a chocolate egg. The alleged egging was perpetrated for reasons unknown. Um, apparently, uh, Mr. Mijas refused to let the convenience store clerk handle his transaction. According to a police report, he was asked to leave the store, but instead jumped the counter to push and strike the victim's face. He was arrested for battery and is released on $1,000 bail. The chocolate egg assault. Definitely Unusual. And finally, in the broken news this morning, comes this story. And this actually is kind of kind of cute. Um, a chain of convenience stores in Kentucky are attracting visitors and going viral online for an unusual feature. There is a button in the convenience stores. There is a button that turns the bathroom into a disco dance party. (laughs) Uh, This is the Hop Shop convenience store chain. Six locations in northern Kentucky have installed big red buttons in their bathrooms with a sign reading, Do Not Push This Button. And of course, when you put something like that in the the bathroom with a big sign, Do Not Push This Button, what do people want to do? They want to push the button. And uh, Mary Moss, the manager of the shops, says uh, pushing the button activates colored lights, a disco ball, and music in the bathroom, turning it into a miniature dance club. (laughs) Videos documenting what happens when someone pushes the button have gone viral on social media. That is absolutely brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. You talk about free publicity. I have not seen these videos, but uh, I got to check out the video and maybe make a trip to Northern Kentucky to check this out for myself. I mean, I would not be a true reporter unless I actually investigated to see this for myself. You know, I, I may have to have a, I may have to make a road trip uh, <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Uh, you talk about some awkward moments in the bathroom, though, at the uh, convenience store. <laughs> hey, want to dance? Those are those are words that you never should say in a uh, public restroom. Hey, want to dance? <laughs> no, not say that. <laughs> Disco ball or not? There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another
3: major brand just announced is halting all social media advertising.
1: The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth. Using the Media Consumers Trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And
0: now, your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Today, as we were mentioning a little bit earlier, uh, is the uh, official opening of tax season with the IRS Uh, opening uh, their uh, returns uh, process. You can start filing your returns uh, as of today. So, a little tax uh, info by the numbers here. Recent poll by the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy and the Associated Press-Nork Center for Public Affairs Research finds that the majority of U.S. taxpayers believe that they pay too much in taxes and receive poor value in return. Shocker, I know. (laughs) Two-thirds say they feel that they spend too much on federal income taxes with similar sentiments about local property taxes and state sales tax. Republicans more likely than Democrats to view taxes as unfair and claim that they pay too much. The poll reveals low confidence among adults regarding how institutions use their tax dollars with more trust in local governing bodies compared to the federal government. According to Market Watch, older adults are more likely to perceive taxes as fair, and overall public opinion about taxes and trust in government has declined, reflecting increased political polarization. About half of those paying federal income taxes would prefer fewer government services in exchange for lower taxes, while one-third would keep taxes the same for the same services, and 16% would increase taxes for more services like to know who those people are um only about one uh, only about one in four taxpayers believe they get good value from federal income tax state sales tax or local property tax many find federal income tax local property tax and state sales tax to be unfair a significant portion of u.s adults do not fully understand how their taxes are calculated that sentiment toward the tax system varies, with some perceiving it as inequitable and lacking transparency, while others trust it more at the local level. So kind of an interesting, uh, and not, nothing in there is particularly surprising, is it? So we stand on the cusp of the month of February, and of course, you know what February brings, Valentine's Day and all of that. A lot of uh, events that would make a uh, perfect date night. The uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts and Heather Klo is uh, with us in the studio this morning. Uh, a lot of the stuff going on in uh, February is uh, already sold out or pretty close to it. So.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a popular month. I'm yeah. really excited.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Dueling pianos. We mentioned this uh, actually, uh, I think, last month or the, or the month before that it was coming up. And that is sold out. So if you're hoping to get nights. tickets. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So that is uh, sold out. I know Sarah Evans uh, is coming up. That is the... Is that the last of the main stage series? No, shows? we have
2: Chicago in May. The, oh, the Broadway okay. musical yes, Chicago that's right, in
0: Chicago, May. but that also is uh, is selling out quickly, it and Sarah is. Evans is darn near sold it out. It
2: is. So. I was just saying that I had one ticket left when I looked this morning. <laughs>
0: what happens if, and not that this uh, would happen, but uh, do you do you take names on like a waiting list in we case do. somebody can't use their tickets? Or?
2: Yeah. So basically, you give us a call, um, Tyler, in our box office will write your name down okay and then sometimes people do call and say i have an extra two tickets and they'll donate them back to us and then we'll call the people on the list so it always never hurts to put your name on the list also if you're really daring it never hurts to show up at the box office the night of (laughs) often we can get people in at the last minute sometimes (laughs) you might get turned away but you never know (laughs) you
0: never know okay so just something to keep in mind uh, again especially as coming up on uh, those two shows which you've uh, proven proven to be very popular and i know dueling pianos every year is is a, uh, is a big thing. You know that that's going to sell out. It does. Yeah. Um, but with, uh, some of these other shows and performances, I, I know when we've talked about it before, it's always a bit of a crap shoot. So it's gotta be good to see, uh, people respond to,
2: yeah, it's really that. exciting. Um, between Sarah Evans and Chicago, our Live at Arms show in February, mm-hmm. things are selling really well. People are supporting MCPA and enjoying all the great stuff. And
0: it is date night. So, it is date know, night. Date night's uh, coming up in, uh, in February, so we got to start thinking about those things. want to talk a little bit more about some of those shows and some of those things, but before we get to that, uh, the uh, nominations for the Wall of Fame are open but closing soon. Right.
2: right, so the last day we can accept them is the 31st, so okay. that's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So if you know of anybody that's made a significant contribution to the arts in Finley, in Hancock County, in the region or nation, just um, go on our website. It's at, under uh, the Wall of Fame. Okay. And there's a little application. And then a committee gets together and we choose one or two to, to put on the wall for the year.
0: And that's really all there is to it uh, in is. terms of uh, nominating someone. Yes, to, real,
2: I mean, you have to know a little name. bit about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a list of our former uh, awardees are on there. So you can know if you're nominating somebody that's already on the wall. It
0: really is cool if you've ever been uh, to the MCPA and taken the time to check out the wall, uh, how many folks are already there and uh, always looking for more deserving names.
2: Yeah, and I think what's exciting about it is you have, you know, Tony winners and people who made a contribution on a national level, and then you have teachers that have affected you know, thousands of school children in Finley. Mm-hmm. It's a nice range.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and, and that's worth pointing out that it doesn't have to be, you know, somebody who is, you know, made a name for themselves on right. Broadway, although we certainly have those, uh, but it could be somebody who has made a difference in a in a much more, I want to say local or personal. Yeah, grassroots way. Yeah, grassroots right. like level. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: They've, they've affected, they've they've used the arts and, and helped people.
0: And... It is a, quite an honor, I, I would imagine, for many of the folks to learn that they uh, have been uh, uh, nominated, that they've been uh, chosen, selected. Yeah, for people are always fame. really
2: touched. Yeah. It's nice to know you made a difference, right? A-
0: absolutely. So I uh, want to check that out again on the uh, website, and Wednesday is the uh, deadline.
2: Yes. To, uh,
0: so uh, what's going on in the uh, month of uh, February here? Yeah.
2: So we got some school shows. So We mm-hmm. got some kids busing in. Um, this week, we have the University of Wonder and Imagination for grades two through six. Mm-hmm. So if you see a lot of school buses in our parking lot, you'll know <laughs> why. <laughs> We've got some adult dance classes starting up in February. So that's a fun date night.
0: Yeah, there you go. I was going to bring that up. Uh, you have a number of... Uh, what, what are we focusing on in the... I was looking at this uh, the other day.
2: Yeah, so January, there was cha-cha and one other... Waltz, I believe. Okay. February is tango and rumba.
0: Tango and rumba. Now, yes. are these one day? I know there are several dates. Are they one day classes no, or is it a series? It's a series. Three okay. or four nights. Okay. Um,
2: It's Tuesday nights. So it's, you know, it's, um, I think cha-cha, uh, no, tango is at six o- o'clock or okay. 6.30. And then afterwards is rumba. So you could do both or just one. Gotcha. Um, And it's. Every Tuesday in February. Okay,
0: so uh, and and folks can sign up for that on the uh, on the website yes. too. Yep,
2: and you don't have to have a partner. If you have a partner, it's you know you know who you're dancing with, but mm-hmm. you don't have to have a partner either.
0: Oh, very good. Uh, so if you want to surprise your special someone, right. uh, There you go. <laughs> you just have to come up with an excuse for why you're disappearing every Tuesday. Right. <laughs> in the uh, month of <laughs> month of February. Uh, let's see here. So um, and that's just one of many uh, programming things we talk about the shows and that's obviously what grabs the headlines but a lot of things that you do kind of behind the scenes or or things that are, um, you know, community-based.
2: Absolutely. And since COVID, since we've come back from COVID, we've really tried to ramp up the um, adult education. We were in the process of doing that when COVID hit. So we're excited Mm -hmm. to to get some adult opportunities to learn and do some fun things in the arts.
0: Yeah, very cool. Uh, Let's see here. So some of the other uh, shows, you mentioned uh, Live at Arms uh, show, actually, I think, are there a couple of those this month? Uh, just
2: one. We do just one a one. month. So okay. it's February 15th, right. and it's Stillhouse Junkies. Mm-hmm. They are an amazing young bluegrass band, and it's selling really well. This has been our bestseller so far for the series this year. Very cool. Um, so that'll be a lot of a lot of good music. And that is uh, February
0: 15th, so the day after Valentine's Day. That's right. Day. Uh, and, uh, you also have, uh, a youth theater, uh, production coming up. Oh, I guess that is in March. That's early March. Yeah. Early but we March. are
2: rehearsing right now.
0: Rehearsing for. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, finding
2: Nemo and it's grades three through five are in this one.
0: Very good. And, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Sarah Evans is coming up, uh, at the, uh, end of February. Uh, just the, uh, one seat available, which you can get on a uh, waiting list if you want to, uh, get tickets for that. And, um, you mentioned Chicago, uh, Still uh, tickets available there but those are, are a going. Few.
2: I think we're we've sold about nine hundred and we seat nine sixty nine. So there's a you know Okay. 69 tickets left
0: yeah, yeah so uh, just uh just a handful of uh of those um and then that will conclude the main stage series uh for this year it when will. do you start uh planning for the next year i'm
2: doing it right now okay right. i always start with broadway because they mm-hmm. have the the biggest needs and and we always try to give them priority in the scheduling and mm-hmm. i have two in the works keep your fingers crossed okay um and then um i'm going to a conference in february and i'll really kick in with the rest of it
0: all right very good and then uh that announcement is coming up when
2: june so usually it's like the 13th 14th around there okay
0: all right, very good. Something to uh, to look forward to. But in the That's meantime, right. uh, all of the uh, tickets for uh, the uh, shows that we mentioned, the uh, programming, and, and everything else uh, can be found on the website, correct? Yes, mcpa.org. Very good. Again, uh, Heather Kloh with us from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, all of the things that are going on in the art space uh, in Philly. Oh, and by the way, uh, also wanted to mention you do have a rather unique uh, art exhibit in the uh, we gallery. We do,
2: yep. And we're going to... Um... It's actually closing very shortly. Okay. Because we have the watercolors coming back for Art Walk, which we failed to mention as well. (laughs) (laughs) February 2nd is Art Walk. Okay. Um, And that's the opening of our watercolor exhibit. Okay. Stop by and check it out. Very good.
0: So uh, the Loom and Doom. uh, Right. This is the last week you can see that. Yeah. So that's um, obviously.
2: Actually, might be. Today might be the last day. Today? I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, So if you want, you can stop (laughs) by and that is open anytime and.
2: Anytime the building is open.
0: and So textiles.
2: It is. It's textiles with um, non-recyclable elements woven into the, So there's like plastic bags. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. So
0: uh, check that out. Again, we have the link up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. For more info... Heather Clough, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests, of course, for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Again, check us out online. Our little corner of the World Wide Web is at goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good, and now that you've had a good morning, go on out, and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.